Hello everyone to the 86th episode of Career Podcast. Today I'm joined with Mr. Jeremy Nixon. He's a 2D animator and director from London, United Kingdom. And with that out of the way, let's jump into the first question. Um, give us a little, give us a little introduction on how you got into visual arts and design. Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Excited to shoot my mouth off about a few things. Um, so my start was. Jeez. Okay, so I've been in the game a while now. I've been uh, kind of professionally animating for about 18 years, maybe. But um, I guess the way I got in was, I think like loads of artists have this a story, which is like, I didn't know I could do art for a living. And so, yeah, I'm not going to buck the trend. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I loved cartoons growing up. I, I grew up in the 90s and I was watching sort of, you know, Disney 90s cartoons and all the Disney, you know, everything, corporate conglomerate, fun, soft, round-edged cartoons. Um, and I loved it, and I, and I drew a lot of my spare time. But, you know, I didn't for a second think people do this stuff. Um, so I saw, well, I dropped out of school when I was 16, and uh, I went to Polytech doing a business computing course. So I did, did that for, for a year because I like computers and I use them a lot. Um, and I finished the year and I was like, this is, this is not fun though. <laughs> this is going to kill me if I do this the rest of my life. Um, so I worked in a supermarket for a year. And while I was there, I saw an ad in the newspaper that was for an, uh, a 2D animation school. And I'm like, it, you know, it's like one of those kind of like the, 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 the puzzle fits in and I'm like, you, oh my goodness, it's a job. It's something I can study for. And so I left my small town and I spent three years studying 2D animation. Sorry, I forgot to mention I grew up in New Zealand. This is in New Zealand. So um, yeah, that's where I was and that's where I studied animation. And um, it was in my maybe my second year where I was like, wow, actually animation rules. You know, I when I started, I was like, you know, I need to do something. I like drawing. Why not? But it was the second year where where I was just like, holy shit, this is this is mind blowing. You know, like you can do anything with animation. Yeah. And then anyway, and then the story goes on for another 20 years or so. <laughs> awesome. And I just have a couple of questions from the answer you just gave. The first one that mm. came to my mind is were your parents supportive when you when you wanted to drop out of school? Mm. They, <laughs> I think I'd say like they were definitely supportive. They weren't happy about me dropping out of school, and I did pretty well in school up until I was about sixteen. I changed schools and I kind of fell behind real quick because there were a lot of subjects that the other kids had already been ahead in. And uh, so for my parents were always like, you know, like our son Jeremy, he's good at school and stuff. And they were always really proud of me. And suddenly they were seeing their son just crash and burn at school. And it's only in later years I've realized how hard it must have been for them. I think they were pretty good at like concealing this deep worry that their kid was going to just, you know, going to lose everything and not be able to find a decent job and stuff. But, but I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful because they weren't like, what are you doing? We're going to like send you to your room until you get good at this. Um, they were very much supportive of me trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And yeah, so they, they were supportive. They weren't like, don't do it. When I decided to get into animation, I think they had a little bit of hesitancy. They were like, okay, if you want to, but um, definitely have since then gone like, oh, this is something he loves and something that is, you know, paying off. So, yeah. All right. Awesome to hear. And um, 
how's life in New Zealand growing up? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it's very, it's pretty quiet. It's pretty calm. It's pretty sunny. Um, I think I'm like, I've realized I'm a city kid. And I think when I came to London, I kind of followed my younger brother here. And uh, I was like, yes, I'm in a mid, like a massive metropolis. And uh, I think that's something that I would miss if I moved back to New Zealand. Like New Zealand is super beautiful, really lovely. And a lot of my good friends are still there. But um, I love London and I love being so close to, you know, Europe and and all this awesome history as well. Yeah. And is it true that New Zealand, that there's actually this, this huge bugs, like grasshoppers in New Zealand? The wetter, yeah. We've all heard of wetter studios, but uh, a wetter is, yeah, it's like an insect that's like maybe this big. I remember my dad would like find one and he'd hold it in like our faces and be like, look, it doesn't want to hurt you. And it's this hideous beast and we're just like, you know, run away screaming. Oh. They're gross. Why did he do it? Yeah, I think he was trying to, like, you know, release your fear of, like, I don't know, pets or something. <laughs> it never worked. It never worked. Yeah, it never works. Just why? It's, 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 it's funny. Like, sometimes there's people who want to treat, like, a lot of people, like, naturally have, like, a phobia of sharks, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a, like, a population of people that believe you should treat that phobia. Like, why? Like, it's natural to be afraid of sharks. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, even snakes as well. <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Nature is scary, especially around yeah, New Zealand, oh, yeah. Australia. 100%. Yeah. My, my wife is from Australia and like, I, yeah, I can't believe she grew up around spiders that are like this big and stuff. I, yuck. Yeah. No. You see, yeah, let's move on quickly from the subject. <laughs> New Zealand mostly has birds, so it's pretty safe. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you already mentioned uh, some of the like your basically your origin story and stuff how it came into you know to the animation and stuff but the next question mm -hmm. is i mean of course i already mentioned and you mentioned that you're a 2d animator and director but mm -hmm. the question is what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now and tell us about your experience from the start of it until now Ooh, um i guess so like i guess the story of my career is in like three parts the first part was when i finished studying and i worked freelance for a few places doing yeah animation then i moved to london in 2009 and i worked for a game studio called splash damage for about nine years uh, they work on mostly kind of multiplayer first person shooter games pc games um and i I ended up, I was working kind of marketing and brand and not animation at all for the most part. So I kind of like over the years I was there, I, um, I learned tons and I was a, I was a brand manager by the time I left, which is like, <laughs> it's like even just the name brand manager. I'm like, Oh, it feels like an artist's nightmare. And in a way it was because I was, I was learning a lot and, and brand to me became quite interesting, but I was desperate to get back to art and creating art. Um, and so about four years ago, I started freelancing and um, this is my kind of like Phoenix moment and kind of like rising from the ashes, kind of almost starting again. Um, and so my branch of design, I guess it is, so it's, it's 2D animation, but it's also, uh, I've been working with clients more than with sort of agencies and, 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 uh, so I've kind of been 
in this phase of my, my career, it has been working directly with clients, um, sometimes with kind of contractors on my side, but um, having a bit more control in terms of the vision, working for a game studio that's like 200 people like large for eight years you you know you you're a, you're a sort of a small cog in the machine to some extent um and so for me it was like i really wanted to get back to having a bit more control and having putting my own my own stamp on the work that i was doing so this probably doesn't answer the question at all but <laughs> um i mean I, I would say that right now i'm moving so for the last four years i've been doing director director client um often by myself or always by myself up until about a year ago where I started to take on subcontractors for larger jobs. So basically the direction that I'm heading in is doing more directing work. Um, so hiring people to, to, you know, do concept art and, and, and animation and stuff and me acting more as a director and giving feedback and, and uh, that sort of thing. So who knows if that answered your question? Do you think it answered your question? Yeah, to an extent it did. But... <laughs> okay. No, I mean, yeah. but... Like, I mean, there's not much to say, like we already mentioned and you already explained a bit here. You're a 2D animator and director. Like, I mean, mm. yeah, it was pretty mm. good. It was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. I guess, I, I guess I'm also like, this year has been very focused on uh, the, the kind of evolving landscape of social media. So mm -hmm. I joined TikTok this year. Um, you know, I know I'm too old for TikTok, but I did it anyway. No, no one tried to stop me, so I just did it. And um, yeah, I've been learning a lot about like vertical, you know, vertical video, which is new to me. And I'm kind of a purist, you know, I grew up, I, lo I love film, I love television and film, and it feels wrong to have a vertical format. Like, I'm, no, I'm creating art like this, you know, the more letterboxed, the better. Um, but I, I guess I've kind of realized in the last year that there's a lot of room for really fun stuff in that format. and. Um, it's been very interesting to see the way people are consuming uh, like video and, and art and stuff online. And it's because it's changing a lot. All right. And um, the next question is, how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a project? Like by, by design process, basically, I mean, what, what, how is the structure of your pipeline of your work from zero mm. to hundred looks like? Could you explain to us? Mm. Um, yeah, sure. I think um, so. So when I take on a job with a client, the first thing I do is like a lot of research. So um, honestly, it's finding out more about the, the company or the brand or the client. And maybe even more importantly, trying to find out more about their audience. Because as much as I want to be like, hey, I'm an artist, my own style, and I want to put my spin on things. At the end of the day, when someone hires you to do a job, um, you need to understand who it's for. And sometimes who it's for is not the sort necessarily the kind of the people you would normally create art for. So to me, that's the most important thing is going like, OK, how how is this audience different to, like, say, my own audience on social media or whatever? And so it's kind of like a deep dive into to what drives the people that 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 follow the brand that you're doing the job for. Um, Goodness, this could be a very long answer, <laughs> um, but but I, I guess uh, there are a few things that I use in my kind of workflow. Um, one is Trello, which is just a, a kind of like a um, a task management software which you can use through Chrome and it's free, and I find it really helpful because you can set up templates um, 
and because animation is quite involved and it's not like start a drawing and finish a drawing done um there are lots and lots of steps so trello allows me to go like oh here's my template i know i need to like collect reference i know i need to i've got rough animation i've got cleanup i've got color i've got compositing and um yeah so that helps me to set everything up and and go through it in the same way every time in a kind of a structured organized way um i also track my time <laughs> no i'm not going to get into time tracking because that gets really really boring but um no 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 actually <laughs> if it's fine by you of course i mean no it's... of course it's fine by me then um, please i actually want to know i'm actually mm. curious okay yeah so i mean like i said i started freelancing four years ago and so it's just been a constant learning process for me um one of the hard things about animation and especially when you are doing everything from scratch or hiring people to help you to do it is that you need to know how long things take like when i work with a client it's like they ask me how much something will cost and i can't say this is my day rate i have to say it's going to cost this much based on what you want and so <laughs> in the first two years or almost always i would say it's going to take this long and then you know it ends up taking this long and so i get paid this much less um so one of the most important things for me is tracking my time always because that really helps me to really narrow down how long things actually take um so i have a an app called toggle it's like a chrome extension um t o g g l and it's really great it hooks into my trello um my Trello account and basically all of my Trello tasks I can click a little button that says start timing so at the end of the end of every project I can see oh I spent 30% of time in like rough animation 20% of time in color blah 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 and I can basically like pie graph this is how long each part of the process takes uh so yeah that's that's been really really helpful is getting a greater understanding of how long things take um yeah Yeah, that's that's kind of the production stuff I use. Um. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And no, I was waiting because I thought you were going to add something, you know. That was that's the reason. Uh, I just need to I need to figure out when I should stop because I can I can also talk about the work itself as well. No, if you um, want. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I start with references. I um I'm collecting stuff on Pinterest as I'm sure absolutely everyone does. I'm creating sort of mood boards of um stuff that i think will look cool um then in animated projects i'll start with a storyboard um uh, or an animatic when that's moving so uh essentially and also character designs at around the same point so then i'll send the client the the moving storyboard the animatic and it'll be like a really crummy set of drawings but that give a good a good uh, impression of how it will look and what the timing will be um And at that point I, I say to the client, look, <laughs> if we want to do any changes right now, we have to make them in the animatic phase. We can't we can't make tons of changes once I'm actually doing the animation because that's going to take too long. So if they want any changes, I change it then. And then I get into animation and that's that's the bulk of the work is doing sort of rough animation, sketching that out, um then doing cleanup, um colors and then compositing in after effects and doing some crazy 3d things and stuff yeah all That's right kind of it. and all right the next part i actually want to talk about i want to talk about some of your stuff and mm. 
like there's something interesting that I want to talk about that yeah. um, I think a lot of people will find really interesting. Um, all right, so first things first, um, I, I've looked through some of your stuff, and one thing that's kind of like, you know, took my eye is that you've been working on some of these kind of like animated album covers, and mm-hmm. like that, yeah. especially Daft Punk ones, was looked really cool, you know, just... Oh, basically tell them the whole story behind like the idea of like doing the album covers first <laughs> okay uh yeah this kind of hooks into what i was saying about joining tiktok this year um because you know how there are trends on tiktok and you know th- the internet is like constantly accelerating so whereas before there'd be like a few things happen every year and you're like oh i should get on there there's an art challenge now it's like every day there's a crazy new thing happening um so essentially I joined TikTok and I'm like, I'm way too old for TikTok. What am I doing here? Um, but luckily I have a friend who's a, like about 10 years younger than me. And uh, she is, she's on TikTok and she knows what she's doing. Um, shout out to Shayla. Uh, and she sent me a uh, turn your art into an album cover kind of trend that was going around. And so a lot of people were like, putting it to like, I think it was like a Kanye song or something. And uh, essentially they would get their art and they'll put, all they do is basically put like a little parental advisory sticker on the bottom right. And uh, and then they would uh, kind of, you know, you put the song on it, you put the parental advisory thing there and you've got your, you've got your kind of fake album cover. And so anyway, she sent me that and she was like, you should try this. And I'm like, why not? But why not make it animated? Um, so I did, I, I, I kind of just, grabbed some of the animations I'd done. I put it on a CD cover using After Effects, um, sort of figured out how I would make that work and yeah, posted it and it did kind of crazy well. And uh, so <laughs> chasing chasing the fumes of that high from getting attention, I've done that a few more times since. And uh, it's fun. Like it, I, I think uh, it, it's it's something that people haven't seen before, as far as I can tell. Like I'd never seen. I'm I'm sure other people have, have done it, but I had never seen it before, and I think it took people by surprise. So I'm kind of seeing how far I can push this, and I'm I'm already planning new things using a similar kind of idea, um, but kind of trying to push it even further. So it, it's cool. It's pretty fun. All right, then actually, I want to ask you something. Um... How, like, I've heard that there's the organic reach and growth on TikTok is, like, really mm. good, especially, mm. like, even now, apparently. Mm. You know, but they, people have been saying this for a year now, so it must yeah. be good. So how has it been for you? Good, yeah. Um, I think part of it is also that um, there are not tons of, like, professional animators on TikTok. There's lots of people doing rotoscoping of dances and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um but in terms of like you know people who have been in the industry for a while and have lots of stuff to share i I haven't seen a lot of it there's a few people and a few companies but not a lot so i mean my own my experience is my own so i can't really speak for anyone else but um definitely after a couple of weeks of posting stuff i i did start to see the numbers go up a lot um but it's also you kind of realize over time what what kind of what what tiktoks work and what don't tiktok is really interesting in that you can post something that you're really proud of and even even if your followers are really going up it could get like just no no likes no views at all 
And it's because, you know, they'll, they'll send your video to like a hundred people. Like there's a small sample size that it shoots it to first. If of those hundred people, um, if like no one cares, if no one watches for more than a couple of seconds or likes it, the algorithm will just be like, eh, and they won't, they won't even send it to your followers. Like no one will see it. But on the other hand, if you send something and everyone of the first hundred people are like, wow, this is cool. Then it'll send that video to just so many more people than you could possibly imagine just on their for you pages it'll just shoot it to a bunch of people and the little like algorithm pixies will do their work in the background and if it keeps doing well it'll keep propagating that to more and more people so yeah i'd say if if you're an animator and you're watching this and you aren't on tiktok i would recommend getting on there because it it, like i think you have like loads of uh, opportunity to get a lot of yeah a lot of followers a lot of views on that platform but reels are the same, by the way. I don't know if yeah, you, Instagram yeah, reels. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And yeah, I mean, I I never knew that actually that the way TikTok algorithm works that it first sends it to the, like randomly to hundred of your followers, and if they mm-hmm. and if it mm-hmm. had good engage, engagement with you know those first hundred, it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, that's actually really smart. It's really interesting. It's it's obviously it's just the company just figuring out what what keeps people's attention spans and of course it's kind of you know like i'm really interested in all this stuff but of course the whole system is scary as well in terms of how it's entirely built to keep your attention and to keep you away from a regular life um yeah so i find that whole thing it's it's like this horrible beautiful thing where we've created something that can entertain and surprise us and can also just keep us locked into our phones without needing or wanting to do anything else <laughs> yeah um, and uh, you mentioned a term called rotoscoping and for the people who are listening mm. who don't know exactly what rotoscoping is it's basically mm. like you know making an animation but um from referencing from a video or a movie but you know trace every single frame you know and just animate it that way yeah like that's basically it and like a lot of people who who for example get a clip of for example a ufc highlights fight or even boxing and just rotoscope at that and you make like two million views or something you know mm. i think this is the thing about um tiktok and you know reels and the way that social media is going is that it's, I think it's hard for animators because animation is such a time-consuming process that these platforms encourage you to create content fast. And so I think a lot of people who are really interested in just getting followers and viewers will find the fastest way to do things. And it becomes a race to the bottom because at the end of the day, if, if you're in the business of art or if you want to see great art, if you want to create great art, you know, that's, it's, it's hard because you're probably not going to get as many followers or views as if you just, you know, have some good ideas and can just like throw them out really fast. Yeah. It's, it's a bit tough. Yeah. And the next thing I actually want to talk to you about is, um, like, I think you posted recently some of your character design you made for, um, black cloud entertainment, Mm -hmm. if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, there's like a guy with a huge gun and there's like this uh, mm-hmm. the Sasha one um, yeah. t- tell us about those like first mm-hmm. the project you're working on I mean if there's no NDA involved of course mm-hmm. and also the characters sure yeah um, so 
This is a project called The Medium. Um, as you said, it's for a, a business called Black Cloud Entertainment. And I'm kind of like halfway through the process of this thing I'm working on. Um, it's basically a trailer for a, a, uh, a show that um, the business wants to get off the ground. And uh, this is by far like the biggest thing that I've ever worked on in terms of me taking on a project. By, um, I was going to say by myself, but it's, it's big as well because I have a bunch of people working with me on this one. Um, so, for instance, those character designs that you saw, I didn't actually design those. Those are, those are designed um, by my friend and collaborator, Franz Chandler, probably pronouncing his last name wrong. Sorry, Franz. Um, yeah, and he, he's actually someone who, I, who was my first year tutor in animation school all those years back. Um, he's gone freelance recently, and so I was like, dude, come do some character designs for me because his style is so, so good. Um, yeah, so I, I can't talk too much about this project other than it's going to be awesome. Like, I'm so hyped. I've got some really amazing animators on the project. Um, and hopefully next year I'll be able to share uh, shots from that because I'm, I'm just really hyped about how, how cool it's looking. It's basically like a sci-fi, kind of a sci-fi universe. Um, and this trailer is just like one little chunk of it. Um, yeah, I probably can't and shouldn't say any more than that. <laughs> All right. And well, the next next thing before moving to the next question, there's just one last thing I need I need to I think bring up and discuss, which is mm. brand management, which you already mentioned that you worked for like a mm. couple of years in a game mm -hmm. studio as a brand manager. And also speaking of brands, yeah. Um, for anyone who's watching the podcast on the on the YouTube version of the on the YouTube channel, you might see that there's a certain style and fashion sense to our guest today. Like there's this, you know, fancy, like, you know, tie and, you know, the brown color of the tie matches with the goggles and everything. And it's even in your profile picture, like, uh, you've obviously going for the, like, you know, making a personality, like, you know, for yourself. Mm. So, you know, to help brand your work and stuff, mm. which is, which is doing good. But Tell us about the story of, you know, wh why the goggles, why this kind of attire, it kind of seems like a, steam a strong steampunk vibes, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, I started wearing these, not this exact pair, but I started wearing goggles in my second year of animation school. So, <laughs> 2005, I've been wearing goggles for, yeah, it's, what's that, seven, no, wait, 25. 17 years, many years, many years. Yeah. <laughs> Maths is not my strong suit. Anyway, um, basically the thing was is that I was like, either, you know, steampunk was kind of big at that time and there was like anime with people wearing goggles on their forehead and I was just like, man, there are so many cool looking characters that wear goggles, but how come no one wears goggles on their forehead in real life? Like people wear earrings, you know, people wear cool hats. Why don't people wear goggles? So I just decided I'd do it. But I also had dreadlocks at the time, <laughs> so I had goggles and dreadlocks. Um, yeah. Anyway, I started wearing them then, and um, you know, quickly became known as the goggle guy. Uh, and I guess I was just like, yeah, screw it. This is this is kind of my thing now. So I moved to London, and I went for my interview wearing the goggles. And I don't know. I think they make an interesting first impression. Um, yeah. That's actually Loki genius. <laughs> now that you said it, I just realized. I think standing out is 
is uh, is a good thing when it comes, especially when it comes to kind of making connections and getting work and stuff like that. Um, and I think it can be hard for artists in particular because yeah. we don't want to stand out. And I'm I'm not I'm an introvert. Like I feel uncomfortable at a party, but. Um, you know, I, I think you, you kind of need to push through that. And if you can make someone remember you, if you go to a conference or something and if people remember you, then that's great because then they'll be like, who is that? Who is that person, you know, who like had the blue hair or whatever? Like, um, why don't we talk to them? And I think first impressions do last. And, and if you can, if you can stand out visually, like, you know, why not? As long as you don't come off like an ass, then, you know, <laughs> Maybe I do come off like an ass. I don't know. No, but, um, no, at least no. Yeah. no, that's actually um, really smart. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Go on, go on, go on. It's fine. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it doesn't. Um, I didn't start wearing them for that reason. I, I wasn't like, I want people to remember me. I was just like, damn, goggles are cool. But I think over the years, um, as I've kind of like learned a bit more about brand branding and stuff, I have. I have realized that it is important and useful. And so when I did go freelance for the first time, I was like, well, this is something that I can lean into for my own personal brand. Um, so I did, yeah. As you say, like my avatar on uh, Instagram is me with goggles and, you know, in my email signature, it's there as well. So yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but as for branding, it, it's interesting because I left the company Splash Damage going like, I am done with branding. Like, this is not who I am. I'm an artist, damn it. <laughs> but I think I quickly realized after that how important branding is, especially when it comes to, you know, for me, I need to get work. I need to get clients. And so while I thought I had left the idea of branding, you know, in my past job, you know, like burn it as I leave, I was like, I realized over the years, like, no, this is super important, super important to me. And I would say super important to, to any artist that wants to be noticed and wants to, to get their name out there. Yeah. All right. And um, all right. The next question is kind of like a controversial one because every guest has a hard problem, you know, answering it. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. It's nothing, you know, like, hard Nothing or anything yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but the name this question is who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most now i think you see what i mean when i said that. yeah because it's hard um well first it's hard to choose but also you blank um okay so i would say all time i actually have what i would say is an all-time favorite artist um her name is claire wendling and she is a French kind of character designer, comic book artist. She worked in the animation industry for a bit. And yeah, Claire Wendling, her style is just my jam, 100%. It's like a kind of a stylized realism. And um, if I ever get bored of art, I if I ever start to think like, oh, I'm just a bit burnt out on looking like, you know, what is art? What is it for? What's going on? Who am I? Um, I can just open up one of her sketchbooks and just see like a single figure and go like, oh, oh yeah, that's the stuff. Um, yeah. So I think I, I've realized that she is just hundred percent like her style is so good. Um, other, other than her though, I mean, I've, I've, I've been inspired by people I work with, um, the people I studied with definitely when I first studied animation, I was constantly being driven by my peers who are all 
you know, better than me at drawing. So that helps to be surrounded by people who are better than you because I was just, oh, I want to be like you. Um, yeah, uh, I'm really inspired by filmmakers because I do love film. And I think as an animator, you have to kind of love film. And uh, so, yeah, I love uh goodness some names i really like robert valley and the stuff he's been doing lately i don't know if you've heard of him he he did he's done a couple of uh, segments from love death and robots he did um zima blue and ice uh his very distinctive style and lately he's been getting into doing sort of more storytelling which is amazing um who else uh you know like the coen brothers uh wong kar wai is a hong kong director who does absolutely beautiful work uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did you know like Spider-Verse and Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs they are amazing uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> a bunch of it. and just like Instagram um, just so many amazing animators and, and companies on Instagram that is like have you heard the term despiring no it's like an amalgamation of the words inspiring and depressing and oh uh, I think I know what you mean that they're so good that they make you both inspired and depressed yeah exactly they're like they make you go like i want to be better and they also make you go i could never be that good (laughs) so just just browsing instagram is like that i'm constantly despised by the people i i see yeah yeah i can totally relate with that (laughs) um actually speaking of love the robots um Mm. jesus like i had it i have it in my netflix playlist but i haven't Mm. I haven't watched it, but it's on my watch list. But yeah, in, yeah. aside from that, um, but of course, I've heard a lot of great things from everyone for the love of robots. Everyone told me to watch it, you know, as soon as you can, whatever. And I'm sure. like, yeah, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> watch it. Um, but aside from this, do you have any other recommendations for, you know, animations for people to dig in? Um, um, I would say uh if you've seen have you seen any of satoshi Kon's work he's a he's an anime director um he so so some of his films he died a few years ago really sadly like way too young but he he did um he's done some films like tokyo godfathers uh, millennium actress paprika oh paprika um, i've saw him i've seen mm-hmm. paprika mm-hmm. Uh, perfect blue uh, and a really amazing anime series called Paranoia, Paranoia Agent, um, which is really, really mind-bending, really, really good. Um, and his work is kind of like characterized by, uh, he's kind of like someone who loves live action and he doesn't fall into a, like a lot of anime tropes, which I really appreciate. Because like, as you know, like a lot of anime is, is very derivative. Um, there's, there's, there's loads of amazing anime, but, um, for him, I find him interesting because his work is really influenced by live action. Um, and he has, he's actually influenced loads of live action directors like Darren Aronofsky, uh, and, and a bunch of others. Um, anyway, his work is really good. I, I'd recommend seeking him out. Um, I would also say, I'm going to get his name wrong, but it's Masaki Yuasa. He's another, um, anime director who's still working. Um, he did, you, you may have heard of devil man cry baby. Um, uh, yeah, I heard of it, but mm. never watched it. I haven't watched a lot of it, but a lot of his work is is just absolutely mind-blowingly weird, which I love. He did a film called Mind Game, which came out in like I don't know two thousand and something seven or something, and that's an anime film that is just kind of absolutely bonkers. Uh, 
he did a show recently called Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin, which is, is like about three schoolgirls who decide to make an anime. And that is like super inspiring as an animator. Uh, yeah, his work is amazing. Um, and he has a very, very distinctive style. Masaki Yuasa. Yeah. See the uh, film Mind Game. So good. Mind Game. All right. Definitely. Yeah. It's an anime, right? It's an anime film. All yeah. right. Awesome. It's, it's very strange. And all right, the next question is what technologies and softwares do you mostly use for your works? Uh, yeah, I kind of live in the Adobe suite for the most part. Um, actually, in 2D animation, I'm using, um, I'm usually using TV paint because um, it's really great for a kind of a hand drawn aesthetic. Um, and then I'm usually importing my animations into After Effects and using Photoshop for backgrounds as well. So I spent a load of time in After Effects doing compositing. Uh, and yeah, other Adobe software like Audition for sound sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say After Effects, Photoshop, and TV Paint are kind of my go-to programs. And I've been using Blender a bit lately as well. I'm like a complete 3D noob, but um, started to slowly wrap my head around Blender. Seems good. It's kind of interesting. There was this artist, uh, I think, called Manny O or something, um, and, he, and mm. <laughs> he made a tweet. Do you know him? I know, yeah, Manny O. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And um, he yeah. once made a tweet like a couple of months ago, and he said, like, <laughs> learning Blender for artists is like, I, I want to start working out for, you know, like that kind of comparison. <laughs> it's like such... working out, working out. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Like, you know, when people say, oh, I want to start working out, but they never do, you know, and something oh, they want to do. Oh, I see. And yeah, yeah, learning yeah. Blender is like for artists, like like when an artist says, I want to learn Blender, I should learn Blender. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, everyone like, just says it. Yeah, yeah. I think the best way to learn is when you are forced, at least for me, like I don't learn until I'm forced to learn. So for uh, instance, I'll, I'll take on a project and I'm like, the only good way I can do this background without having to spend a million hours is, is by doing something in Blender. I had, I had a job last year where I had to create like a, a moving background in a tunnel. And I was like, I could spend, you know, two weeks just 2D animating a tunnel. But at this point, I should probably learn Blender. So I just like got into Blender, smashed my head against that wall for like a week. And in the end, did do something faster, even if I was very, very slow at using Blender. It's painful, but, you know, you just keep your head in tutorials and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the good starting points is uh, Andrew Price's, like the Donut series on YouTube. I don't know if you saw it. So it's like a four-part video mm, yeah. series. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's really good. Yeah. I, I've only watched like a few of his videos, but every time I need to do something in Blender, I search for it and he comes up. And he's got a great kind of style. He seems very friendly. Yeah, I mean, but people try to, I think, put him on a cross for not agreeing because you know recently yeah. like you know in the past couple of months when the whole nft craze kind of like you know really skyrocketed yeah yeah. but of course it's it's kind of like dimmed down a bit you know like the yeah, hype is kind of gone and <laughs> um, bit, yeah. and the thing is he made everyone you know it was at the time that every youtuber and artist was making videos on you know about nfts and everything and there were like main mm-hmm. two main like you know crowds one were like cancel nfts they're bad for the environment yeah it's like blah 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 whatever that and the other side which is um in comparison to the for example factory farming and other stuff it's minuscule the amount of Mm. like you know damage it does and there was like you know as 
from the since the dawn of time where you know population of people have been involved with each other you know over different you know stuff mm. and yeah andrew Price made a video and said and basically kind of in a rational objective way try to explain that you know nfts might not be you know that and he agreed that there are, there is some you know environmental concerns but it's not yeah something to can to just you know cancel people over and there's a lot of people yeah. who cheer each other on for you know unfollowing and canceling and calling out yeah. people artists who are doing nfts like saying you're sellout you know mm-hmm. stuff like that is discussing this stuff honestly it's a really tricky area isn't it because i mean i'm i definitely lean closer to the like right now nfts are, are not a good idea for the ecological impact but definitely the response to people and often artists who you know are criminally underpaid for the most part just trying to make a buck it, it's tough it's really hard because I, I, like a load of the ideas behind nfts and the idea of putting the power in the artist's hands and being able to take a cut of future sales and all that sort of thing is absolutely incredible um, and I totally understand why artists are, are jumping on board, especially if it's like they're going to see a return on their art that they've never really seen before. Um, so it's really hard. Like I, I definitely, you know, first couple of months when things started to bubble up, I, I was very interested and I started to to consider what an NFT of my own would look like. And then, of course, I started to find out about find out about the how how much power goes into like you know the, the mining, the the minting, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm someone who like try, who you know, tries and often fails, but tries to to lower my carbon footprint. So it's not for me, but I definitely am not gonna like crap all over artists who are like, no, this is a way to to you know to make a living. Um, yeah, but of course, we're at, we're already at the point where we've gone beyond artists who have wanted to make a living and moved into corporations who are muscling in on the concept, and yeah. <laughs> you know, it's already become you know something that all the big businesses want to kind of ex- extort to them to the the most to the largest capacity they can yeah i know yeah. what you mean and the thing yeah. is like it's kind of like honestly like i've been researching you know about the community the whole nft space and everything mm. and i even had some ideas of my own but the thing mm. is like like here's my conclusion to everyone who's been listening because for a while i wouldn't shut up about the nfts in the podcast <laughs> you know yeah sure um what I've learned from all of this experience, the following is this. Mm-hmm. Right now, and even from this part, like, you know, not it's not the official start because it's been going on for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The NFT space has been mostly, at, even at first, even now mostly, is occupied by people who are deep or into crypto for years now. They've made yeah. a lot of money from crypto. You know, they, they got lucky and got, you know, a lot of money from crypto and they can, you know, spend it lavishly on NFTs and crypto yeah. punks and stuff like that. The crypto punk yeah. is on sale for $91 million right now. One of them, the alien type. And, <laughs> and, he, <clears throat> and here's the thing. Here's why they're really expensive, by the way, for anyone who's listening. Because uh, the reason the first NFT projects are so expensive and valuable is because it's the first time in human recorded human history that you know there's a possibility for digital art to be sold and they're the first collections mm-hmm. that yeah. historical significance is adds a lot of value to it and a lot of people might mm-hmm. not get it right now for example you're working at night to find and come home and see the news of a crypto punk sold for nine million like screw this stuff you know they're scams mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. i understand your frustration and you're right but maybe like i don't know in, in a century or two people will recognize the actual importance of 
this stuff like there's like i genuinely believe there's certain value in them yeah but yeah absolutely um, and i i would never argue that there are definitely lots of people who are like what it's just a token but like no i i totally get it it's like you know obviously it's like the whole scarcity thing but the truth is we live in the digital now and whether we like it or not this is life this is how this is how kids are going to grow up you know like you know it's not going to be long before we're all like jacked into the equivalent of the matrix or whatever anyway so it's it's absolutely gonna there's going to be more of it how, you know i'm sure it'll evolve and obviously the hope is it'll become more environmentally friendly and stuff but it's absolutely just going to evolve and continue and become the, the i imagine the dominant kind of you know exactly yeah um but that's interesting that you say about how a lot of the people buying nfts right now are you know like people who have you know bitcoin and stuff it, it makes sense and, and it's kind of like obviously that influences the art that's created as well and um you see a lot of artists sort of like their style very much diverges from what they they usually do because they're like there's an audience and yeah to to get that audience you have to kind of like start to mine the kind of more crypto bro kind of uh oh god you yes. know style and and i mean i for me as well like i i'm happy to wait until there are you know they're a little bit more accepted and there are more styles that people are looking for in art because i would never say that i don't i, I never like I'm not like a singular artist who's like, no, I will not change for the audience. Cause you know, I do. And like, you know, when I talk about those CD cases, I started to do more of those. Cause I was like, Hey, people like this stuff. So I'm, I'm not someone who is like, no, I am a auteur and this is my vision and I will never change it. But I, I think a lot of that kind of digital, uh, you, you know, digital lols kind of style of yeah. art is not really my jam. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that, uh, just to, finish up the whole thing and the thing mm. I was going to say that of course a lot of them are you know people from crypto space so they had a lot of money so the prices are kind of different yeah. Yeah. and at first here's the thing at first of the crazy NFT boom which happened like I think around the end of fall of 2020 and the early gen- winter of 2021 mm. at first it was like 30-40% of you know as you said those crypto pros you know that it has it had its own culture and thing but most yeah. of it a lot of people that came in were actually good artists mm, that they yeah. saw opportunity and a lot of mm. the artists that are like successful now found their you know success there you know found their mm. audience and following from there but of course mm. there were people who their work was actually like you know legit good the quality was yeah. good the quality was Absolutely. there and yeah. the thing is that right now unfortunately if you go to any nft marketplace mm. Ah, it doesn't look good. The art doesn't look good at all. Mm. And, I'm, and here's the thing: I know a lot of people might say, "Rumpton, you don't know anything. Art is subjective." Yes, it's subjective. It's all subjective as well. Yeah. Even the subjective art, like for example, like here's the thing: I understand, like an artist, like for example, just strokes the brush of a paint, like you know, something on a huge canvas, mm. on a, and sells it for two million dollars to mm. a collector here's the thing the art is subjective because that piece maybe for example here's an example i'm gonna say sorry if i'm just rambling words no, all the time yeah. i don't know if you watched the series daredevil have you mm, i haven't seen it no here's the thing there's a scene there's uh, without the spoiling anything there's the bad guy is called kingpin he's a fat bald guy mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. the thing is like he a scene he's in an art gallery and he's just sitting and just staring at just a normal painting with just you know brush strokes with just which some little protrusions on it like a texture of a ball and it's mm. been staring at it and he bought it for like six million or something and 
the, the artist asked him, why did you choose this? Because it reminded him of his own childhood. Mm. The texture, the feel, like art is subjective. Like at this point, mm, I yeah. understand. Yeah. But if you just take, <laughs> it, but take a quick look at foundation.com or OpenSea mm. or Rarible, mm. all that, there's like, most of it is just people trying to appease to, to cultures and niche of the collectors mm. and everything to make it quick yeah. bug and so many just cool. i'm just gonna say trash art yeah 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 i wouldn't even it's say legit. it's art like yeah trash yeah. compilations of pixels and colors for the sake of like like someone literally just wrote on a paper <laughs> with a pen pencil yeah low yeah. effort nft that's it <laughs> and it's sold for two ethereum which is oh, roughly around four thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most people in the space don't know the actual value of money. They got lucky. For example, seven, eight years. Mm. A lot of people, the main collectors, they got lucky with Ethereum, Bitcoin. You know, at the first beginning phases of it. Mm. And Jesus, the whole thing. But here's my final conclusion from all of this. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. just a report. Yeah. Don't there there won't be a FOMO. There won't be a fear of missing out. Don't worry if you haven't got into yeah. NFT space or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. The only thing that you need to focus on is your art, and that it, mm. not just art, the art that you love. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing that you love and you focus on will produce a unique result than yeah. the rest of yeah. your peers. You know, because that's something you actually love and you know just feel passionate about. It might take four. And here's the thing that people don't like because the thing I'm seeing takes years. Yeah. You know, the journey is long, you know, and a lot yeah. of people don't like that. They like to just make something for a quick buck, you know, and then space. Yeah. And, and some people can, you know, so some people are finding that they can get away with that. And I think there's there's a slight. OK, so for me, it's been very interesting. And I, um, I often think about that kind of awful, awkward push and pull between art and commerce. Right. And the truth is that even if you're a commercial artist, if you're making money off your art, then you are in you are in this world. Like there is no escaping the fact that you need an audience, um, and you know, and you need to make money to live. And so for me, like a, a lot of the, the clients that I work for, uh, you know, they I don't know exactly what their ethics are and what they do and stuff. Um, and and I think that NFT example you gave is like is perfect and it's almost like this weird microcosm of almost any any art related industry that pops up which is like it'll start because there are some passionate people who care about a thing and they'll make it happen and they'll do it off the sweat of their own backs and they'll be very excited about it and then it'll start to blow up because it's like a, it's a thing that starts to gain attention and traction and then that's when everyone else is like wait a minute there's money in this and so you'll have tons of people pouring in and just doing whatever they can to to make money off this this new thing and then the corporations come in and I don't know. It's funny. This is just the world we live in, that one where uh, art and commerce are completely uh, tangled up and, and there's almost no way to pull these things apart. And I think so I think as an artist, it's just like it's a, an, an awkward space to live in this world, to try to create stuff that you think is beautiful and wonderful um, while getting paid to do it and trying to say something, for instance, trying to have a message while working for brands, work with big companies, you know, it's it's a an interesting and awkward and awful thing <laughs> yeah and for example following the success of CryptoPunks there were so many mm. clones and spin-offs like just mm. absolutely mm. just like I want to see the creator of them and I'm like dude what are you doing actually like just why <laughs> yeah yeah and um, 
like I mean, I I don't want to judge or be a judgmental. Maybe dating money or whatever. I like you know we we don't know you know, mm-hmm. but like there's it's obvious there's no passion or love in it. It's just for mm-hmm. you know the money mm-hmm. and you love it because of the money, not because you yeah. love it. You know that's important. Yeah. People subconsciously don't realize. Yeah, for and, sure. And the thing is that last message about this whole section is, as mm-hmm. I said. Focus on your passion and what you love mm-hmm, and build yeah. up your quality objectively. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For anyone who is a skilled, there's in any space or microcosm, there's always opportunities, whether it be NFTs, whether yeah. it be something new, whether it be in the just you know general, you know, traditional industry, working in the industry. There's mm-hmm. if your quality is good, there's work for you all the time and everywhere, so you don't have to worry, you know, if your yeah, quality is absolutely. good. Yeah, so absolutely. you better work on something you love and reap the rewards for the rest of your life or yeah. 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 Just don't chase around your tail. Like I used to do I used to do that a lot. Because I because I was one of the persons. Like I'm actually I feel like I'm talking to my old self, you know. Yeah, I think um yeah, if you spent if you started a career in say art and you found a quick way to make money say you spent two three years doing this and the market suddenly changes you know say it's nfts and for whatever reason nfts just become irrelevant you've lost you've lost this way you know if that's what you built your entire career on and you don't have skills to fall back on that's a problem yeah but as an artist anyway if you're an entrepreneur or and and you really do only care about money and don't care about art you know whatever <laughs> you know you can chase chase your dreams chase yeah, do the, whatever chase you want the, the dollar the chase dollar. the hustle there's so yeah. much hustle porn in this social media like people like oh, yeah. you know wake up it's just, <laughs> fucking cringe stuff oh my god like mm. it's so up, I mean, it's people obnoxious people who are, uh, as in people who are like you've got to keep working to what, what do you mean exactly what's an example what i mean by that is people who try to always basically you know i think in in the last decade uh, by the mm. way i have nothing just don't uh, try don't, don't try to see my words out of context i'm going to explain like i mean there's a lot of like great entrepreneurs who you know kind of basically made entrepreneurship cool you know, mm, and a yeah. lot of people just try to adapt that and put it in their bio and just say, "World card, great! Look, look how much I made profit of this stock or just coin yeah. or some, yeah. like this whole culture of like you know hustling and chasing money and chasing oh, dollars." Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I'm a businessman. I sold stocks on Robinhood. I sold I don't know oh. rocket shit coins on whatever. Just yeah, it's it's funny because the truth is that I don't. Like I can totally imagine that, and I'm sure I've seen a few people like that on social media. But it's funny how much social media becomes uh, like a reflection of the stuff you care about, for good and worse. Like, it, like basically, I only really follow animators that I really love. So the truth is that like my feed and the stuff that I see every single day is like a hundred percent different from the person who lives next door to me. Um, so that's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? That like we used to live in a culture where we all saw the same things, where we all understood the same. Th- understood the same things and now we're only seeing yeah so if you're if you're someone who wants to be rich like yeah you'll follow everyone who is rich right and then you'll become one of these like kind of power bros who like is all about you know uh looking good and 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 you know being kind of like suave and powerful and stuff but um yeah i don't know i'm definitely rambling 
No, no, it's fine. I'm doing the same. It's it's, it's a it's a really interesting topic, to be honest. Like, there's so much we can talk about it. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's actually move on to the next question. Um, sure. If you're okay with that? Yeah. Um, what tips and advice do you have for a good portfolio and resume for an artist? Um, I guess I'll speak to animators, people who want to make it an animation. Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's funny because I think a lot of the advice that I hear and I would probably give as well, I feel like I don't quite adhere to. So it's a bit confusing. But, But I would say that like... For instance, as I mentioned, I, I I have been working with animators in the last year and I have been kind of subcontracting people to help me on jobs. So I will say when I am looking for people to work with, I mean, the, the quality of their work is just, that's, you know, that's the most important thing is like, for me, if I'm looking for an animator, I want someone who's really good at animation. Uh, if I want someone who's a good background artist, I want someone who's a really good background artist. So. In this case, I would say generally it is good to specialize in terms of like, if you want to be an animator, really focus on that. If you want to be a character designer, really focus on that. Um, because for me, I, 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 I'm at the point where I want to hire someone to just do backgrounds or just do animation. Um, and having said that, I'm like a, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, where I, I really like doing a bit of everything, but I'm not the best at anything, you know? Um, so I would say, yeah, specialize, find the thing that you really, really love to do and get great at it. I'm not saying don't focus on anything else, but make something your priority. So if you're an animator, really focus on your movement. Don't focus on pretty making pretty characters, modeling or, or, or designing pretty characters. Um, what else? Yeah, don't be a dick. I guess that's like really important. Um, when, I, when I was working at Splash Damage, they made it abundantly clear in the last few years that I was there that like it was a priority for the studio to hire people who were friendly and affable over people who were really good at what they did but were jerks. Um, and you know, uh, you know, I was frequently interviewing people as well at some uh, you know near the end, and um, you can kind of get a sense of it. You don't want someone who has a real ego or thinks that they're the best. Uh, I, I remember interviewing one guy who described himself as a unicorn, which was like the moment someone calls himself a unicorn and says that they're absolutely everything you'd ever want and you're not going to need to go further. It's just like your brain switches off and you're just like, please just shoot, shoot, get out of the building. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, being having the knowledge that you can always be better is hyper important both for your own personal growth, but also for the way you come across when talking to other people. And so I'd say when, when it comes to looking for work, it's so, it's so important to be friendly and to, uh, you know, to give up some of your time to help people out if you can. And yeah, so focus on one thing if you can, be friendly. There's probably loads of other advice, but I'd say those are, to me, the most important things. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Oh, and have a short, have a short reel. If you if you have an animation reel, don't don't put like make sure there's nothing bad in it. It's much better to have like a thirty second reel that has your absolute best work rather than a minute long reel that ends with some stuff that's not as good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And the next question is, what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? What kind of pro- project is it? I mean, of course, if there's something mm-hmm. that and there's NDAs involved, we can skip right past this question. But mm-hmm. if that's not the case, tell us what you're doing right now. 
Um, yeah, I've got my fingers in a few pies right now. Um, I already talked about the medium, that uh, animated trailer. So that's a, that's a really big thing that's happening right now. Um, I'm also working with a <clears throat> game publisher, indie game publisher called Modern Wolf on a few projects. Um, uh, I've been doing sort of trailers for some of their games and that's been really, really fun because it's very, uh, their games are quite different from each other. So it means I can jump in with a new style. I can't talk about the exact projects I'm doing for them right now, but um, that's fun. Um, what else? I guess, oh yeah, I don't know. Have you heard of the, the video game Disco Elysium? Yeah, I actually heard about it. Mm-hmm. It's got a, it's got like an adorable character named Kim Kitsuragi and he's like, he's just a really, really great character. He's like, he's like the, the 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 guy who's like your 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 cop buddy who follows you around and he always makes you feel bad about your decisions and uh, you essentially play play like a like a alcoholic amnesiac and your buddy kim is just this like prim and proper buttoned up officer who's always judging you but you know secretly loves you and he's such a great character anyway i'm doing a little fan animation of him i can talk about that because it's not for work it's just for fun so yeah sure i'm gonna animate a little bit of dialogue um yeah that's 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 about all i can really talk about right now all right and all right the next question we're getting off about the technical questions a bit we're just going to some personal questions but personal questions don't worry i don't mean any intrusive <laughs> questions um what area beside the area all right um, uh, what area beside the area you're working on right now would you be interested to explore and learn in the future like given for example the factors of time and money wasn't the you know the case for you mm-hmm. like and not just learn anything like do anything like it could be completely non-art related what would that yeah. be Ah, ah. Um, so I, 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 I make music as a hobby, um, electronic music, um, and it's just kind of taken a complete backseat in the past few years since I've been kind of like going freelance and uh, I don't have like a, a full-time job and I can just like lays about and do whatever I want in my spare time. I'm always trying to make sure I can get clients for upcoming gigs. So I haven't done music in a while and I would love to learn more about production i'm like an absolute amateur electronic musician but i would love to learn more of like the the technical stuff when it comes to production because i feel like i can make stuff sound fun but like in terms of make it sound really tight and really good i i'm I'm not great at that um we talked about blender already yeah i wish i could spend some time in blender and like learn 3d and figure out how it could improve my own workflow um i wish i could I wish there's so much, dude. There's like, <laughs> you know, just take my job away from me and let me have a million hours and never get older and I'll, I'll try everything. And I'd be very excited to do so. That sounds like a dream, actually. <laughs> As you get older, you realize how fast time goes mm-hmm. and it's terrifying. Yeah. And the next question is, well, with everything that's been said and done to conclude all the discussed, please give us a roadmap for someone who is zero in visual arts and wants to get to the place you are when it comes to, you know, a skill set, like for someone who is here mm. at visual, visual arts and wants to become a 2D animator at your level yeah. here. What major steps would you think they should take? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different for everyone, of course, um, but if you can studying do, doing some course is is really helpful um some people don't need it some people can just learn online 
and it's amazing that you can do that now. But I would definitely recommend um, doing an online course if you can. I would say unless you uh, like live very close to like a real, you know, like a CalArts style, whatever, some animation school that is like really prestigious or Gobalam or something, then definitely go online. Don't don't go to like a, a uni that also has a, like a kind of a, a throw off like media design course to learn animation. Um, yeah, I mean, as an example, my my wife, um, she studied animation a few years ago and when she wanted to get into it, she uh, decided to do this like two month long course in animation. And um, she was like, this is great. I'm gonna like learn animation. And then it was being taught by a tutor who had, you know, finished the course there and just gone on to be a tutor and was totally burnt out on the industry because he never got a job in it. And uh, yeah, basically she did a day of this course and was like, no, this isn't good. Um, And then she ended up going to a 3D animation online animation course called Anim School, which is really, really great. Um, there are a few of these kinds of courses, but they, they're online. And the most important thing is that they are taught by people like currently in the industry who teach part-time. And I think if you can learn from someone who is in the industry right now, that is like so much better than anything else. If you can do that, it's, it's amazing. Um, but I would say be curious about the world and always always try to i don't know this is like contrived what everyone says but like if you can just have like a kind of a childlike wonder and always look at the world in a new way or try to find ways to do that i think that's very important as an animator um yeah yeah all right and Actually, there's a section I added to the podcast in the past, like, 10 episodes, which I wish I added earlier, which is the final ones, actually. This wasn't the final question. I I named it Final Words, this section, which is... Here's... Let me explain it. It's not necessarily a question. Yeah, technically Uh it is. But all right, here's the thing. For anyone who's listening right now who reached this point of the episode for a podcast, whether on audio version or YouTube, and they're watching right now, and for anyone who might watch in the future, maybe in two days, two weeks, or 20 years, maybe, like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Of course, if the, if the apocalypse hasn't happened and the whole servers were burned alongside, then we're all... All right, I'm just getting too different. Off track. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so yeah, for it's anyone like in the existential future, spiral there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, for anyone who might listen in future, in a nutshell, um, mm-hmm. if you could leave a message for those people, it could just as a human, what would that be? <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a, that's a big one. Um, I would say if you're watching this in the not too distant future then the world hopefully hasn't burned to a crisp yet. And I would say uh, do what you can to try and live your life in a way that doesn't <laughs> add to climate change. <laughs> I, I, I mean, climate change is a thing that really scares me. And, and you know, what you mentioned there about the, the, the world burning is like is very true. And we can already see this year how bad things are starting to get. And um the thing that worries me is that especially in the West, we are like, you know, yeah, we need to do something about climate change. But like what it will mean is us having to make choices that make our lives not as convenient or easy as they have been up until this point. And um, as hard as that is, uh, if there's anything you can do to even slightly uh, reduce your like, you know, your carbon footprint, 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just preaching here, which is awful um, because I'm as guilty of, you know, as, as all this stuff as anyone else is. But um, it's just more and more important because, you know, push push the corporations to do something. But the, ultimately, uh, well, you know, it's, it's going to have to come from us. So, yeah, fight the power. <laughs> That's my vague answer. <laughs> All right, Captain awesome. Yeah. And the thing is that actually one of the easiest way to actually kind of contribute to that, but I mean, here's the thing, it's kind of like it's such a hard um, and just hopeless thing when you look at it. But for example, mm-hmm. going just vegetarian, you know, I'm not vegetarian, mm-hmm. by the way, like mm-hmm. I, I would say I'm like 95% plant-based, you know, oh, yeah. because actually it helps me like occasionally just when I go outside with friends or whatever I don't want to bring mm. up that I don't like to eat meat or whatever I just mm. eat whatever they eat you know kind of like right. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. but Go mostly like at home I yeah. eat as vegan and vegetarian like I yeah. sometimes occasionally add a bit of cheese to my food you know because you know I love mm-hmm. cheese I'm I just I don't care if I'm making carbon footprint alright cheese is good no yeah I mean uh, like honestly like when I like when I was saying that I really do mean like even if you can even if everyone did a tiny bit like yeah you know you're already by making that choice you're already helping like reducing your own carbon footprint by a huge amount and and I think you know if there are definitely vegans that are you know absolutely kind of like manic like absolutely if you do anything outside of this boundaries you're dead to me kind of thing which yeah you know I I totally understand especially when it comes to like animal cruelty and stuff but um the most important thing in terms of like saving our earth is just doing something and you know whether that's going flexitarian or whatever you know like yeah for, for me i went veggie about four years ago more for climate change reasons than for mm-hmm. animal cruelty stuff but over the years i've kind of i've gone vegan because i've been like yeah this is you know actually a lot of the animal stuff is really horrible yeah, awesome. spend time looking into it but um yeah also flying flying is awful if we can reduce flying just a bit that's great if you can you know fly less let's do it yeah, yeah. or maybe <laughs> just try to convert the whole system in a way that it doesn't you know add to the pollution yeah yeah, yeah. obviously like science is amazing and and i yeah. think ob- right now i think even you know all the big businesses are like wait a minute we're screwed if we don't do something about this so it's exciting seeing advances but um yeah any any small thing you can do to help is awesome yeah that's actually a beautiful message to end this episode mm-hmm. with and <laughs> well we reached the end of this episode thank you so much for coming by mr nixon and where can people contact you if they had a question or anything is your instagram okay yeah totally yeah i, I feel messages and stuff on instagram so if you want to see me there i'm on tiktok as well so at nixon animation um yeah for sure if you have a question just shout out and thank you for having me man this is all right my pleasure yeah, it was, okay. it was a fun episode <laughs> okay. uh, all right fair. so thank you so much for coming by and thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode if you have any comments or critiques or anything about the future podcast or maybe you know possible future guests or anything uh, first of all if you've reached this point of the episode you're a trooper thank you <laughs> and, i talked a lot <laughs> yeah and yeah that's about it take care everyone have a good yeah. day and see you next episode bye, bye.